Okay, good morning, Genesis. Um, this morning, the scripture reading is from Genesis. It's Genesis 1, 11 through 13. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a third day. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Ruthie. Uh, hey, everyone. How are you? My name's Steve, the other Steve. And uh, I am so thrilled uh, to be speaking on this passage. Uh, Genesis 1, 11 through 13 is one of the top five passages like, that are my favorite. So, yes. But before we get into that, a couple things. Number one, uh, please take a look at the stools that are on the stage. And this is my first all-play question. What do you see? Oh, two. Diver. <laughs> Brady reads my Instagram posts. So... Um, this morning, we're looking for stools because Aaron is going to join me up on the stage in a few minutes. And like, we don't have match sets around here. Like, we really don't. We actually had a match set for this stool. It's gone. Someone took it. It's gone. And so, you know, we put these two stools on stage. And then I thought, I never want to have a match set. I don't. Um, this says something about who we are, who God is, who our community is, who diversity is, who the world is, that we don't have to be a matched set to be a family. Amen? Now, this is important because in our denomination, we have this thing, this affirmation called, we affirm the reality of freedom in Christ. And what we mean by that is we will extend each other freedom to believe differently on debatable matters. We will extend each other freedom to have discourse, dialogue, disagreement, and ultimately, we will see a bigger, fuller, better picture of who God is and who the body of Christ is. So, if you ever see two matching stools <laughs> up here, steal one. <laughs> That's what the last person did. But then you have to replace it with a different stool of your, you have to actually buy a stool and replace it because that's also how we work. Which leads me to my second uh, thought is that we are on this five-week invitation. Uh, we're gonna turn three as a church in a couple weeks, uh, June 1st. And so that means we, uh, this is the time of the year where we're gonna encourage you to take a look at your financial giving. Uh, if you're giving already, we wanna encourage you to see if there's a way in which you might increase that giving, if that works for you, for your house, for your family, for your person, whatever. Uh, if you're not giving regularly, we wanna, and Genesis is your home, we wanna invite you to consider starting to give regularly. And uh, so that means talk to your people and figure out maybe what percentage you wanna start giving um, I said last week, I don't think there's anything magical about 10%, partly because I think that's an extremely low number that limits some of you. Um, 10%. Some of you can do way more than 10%. Some of you are going to struggle to do 1%, and that's okay too, right? Because it's all about taking a look with your family, with your person, with God, and deciding what, what it is that you want to give. So um, please uh, consider that. Join us in that. And uh, you can find more information about how to give uh, by going to our website. Cool? All right. Um, so we're in this series called Beginnings. We're on day three. 
We've taken a break from the uh, Revised Common Lectionary, which this week, actually, I was bummed out because there are so many delicious passages this week, so many, Acts 2, John 10. Like, I want to do a separate podcast, like a separate sermon on those, so maybe I'll do that, who knows, Um, but I probably won't because I have a lot going on. Okay, (laughs) day one, we looked, two weeks ago, we looked at how light, let there be light, light is drawn out of darkness, and we learn a new way of seeing God, seeing our own souls, and seeing each other. So this series is all about taking the seven days of creation, not as just a historical event that happened, but as a way of seeing our lives, our past, present, and future, where we are and where we're going. So maybe some of you are on day one, and all you see right now is chaos. All you see right now is tohu vavohu, the inky blackness of confusion. And you're waiting for the invitation where God says, let there be light, let there be presence, let there be a way out. So some of you might just need to name that. I'm on day one. I can't even talk about day two yet, much less day three. I'm still on day one. Day two was all about this expanse that was created in order to to support the life that would soon grow. An expanse was created in between the waters that held up the waters. And we learned last week that we're taken out of our comfort zones, but we're made larger so that we can carry the life that God has embedded within us. So what does it mean to go through the uncomfortable reality of being expanded? It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. Sometimes you want to kick and scream like a four-year-old and say, no, thank you, God, to this expansion. But if you say yes to it, like a pregnancy, something will grow in you that will ultimately give life to the rest of the world. So here we are in day three. Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and the fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. So the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that that was good. So uh, I'll play question. As this verse begins, where are the seeds Say it again. Good question. Thanks, Karen. Woo! See, I love that answer. If you're ever wondering what to say for all play, just say, man, good question. Where where are the seeds at the beginning of verse 11? In the plants, which are in the ground, meaning they are invisible. And it takes a word. Let the vegetation sprout forth. In verse 11, it's the Hebrew word dasha, which does mean to come forth. In, the, in verse 12, this sprout forth is the Hebrew word yatsa, which means to go out, to exit, or to come forth. And so right at the very beginning of the first living thing that bursts out of creation, there is a little hint that something, even though, even when that's coming out of the ground, something else will need to come out from it. What else do you notice about this vegetation that sprouts forth as you read those verses? They contain what? Seeds. Well, of course they do, right? I mean, that's how plants work. They, they grow up, they have seeds, they drop the seeds, those seeds become 
more plants, which grow up and sprout forth, containing seeds of life, which sprout forth. And when we think about plants, we think, yeah, that's not really all that you know, insightful or enlightening until you remember that it is, it is in this way that God makes us, that we are created with life inside of us, like seeds that need to come out. They need to yatsa. They need to exit. They need to go forth. They need to be brought forth. That happens best when someone you know and you love says something to you that makes you go, oh, that ever happened to you? And you realize whatever it is that they just said that you don't totally understand, something got named inside of you that is about to come out. And that's the very, that's how we were created to yatsa. That's how the future is gonna be created. When God creates life, God embeds that life with the future already inside of it. Can I get an amen? amen? That's why it's important to look back and see where we've been. But we must never try to reclaim where we've been. That's backwards. We're not called to go backwards. Let's be informed by our past so that we don't make the same mistakes in the future. But we're where we're going is the future. And so we need to pay attention to Yatsa. I, I have a new friend. Her name is Caitlin. And she wrote this beautiful book, which is coming out in the fall, called Glory Happening. And I'll be talking about it later because it's so good. And she told this story in it about her son, Elliot, who was like three at the time. So let me read it to you real, real quick. Elliot, her son, has been talking to our seeds. The Georgia sun stays active all year long, and you can feel her presence in the middle of a winter day. She comes to you, streaming through the open blinds, giving nourishment to the grass on the lawn and calling water up through the roots of every living plant. When spring turned warm enough, we drove to Lowe's and stocked up on little seed bags and potting mix. We spent an entire afternoon digging into the dirt on our city balcony. Maybe it's just an old tale that says communication will actually help flowers grow, but I think it does us some good anyway to consider that those little herb seeds might be listening and that we might need a friend. So Elliot leans in real close and whispers in his high-pitched, talking to a baby voice, how are you, seeds? Then he sits up, looks at me, and says, they are good. And sure enough, we've seen the green begin to stretch past pebbles of soil, reaching up for the sun, reaching up for that little voice, calling them out of the darkness. My friend Caitlin has absolutely mastered day three of creation. What does it mean to be people who look at the seeds and say they are good before they even come out of the ground. They're good. Amen? What does it mean to be people who let the seeds come out? You. There, are, there is something in you that has been growing and that is just about to emerge. Will you have the courage to let someone else call it good because you're going to have the tendency to call it bad or selfish. Will you have the courage to allow someone to call it good and to bring it forth so it can yatsa? This is one of the most courageous things that you will do in your life.
and you'll do it more than once. But it's a gorgeous thing to sit there and receive it and to give it. So I'm going to bring up my friend Aaron Freer. Everybody give it up for your friend Aaron Freer. Some of you are putting together the dots now. You know Aaron, right? Oh, Aaron, sorry. I didn't even give you the mic. Uh, Aaron and his wife, Kate, who was just singing. Uh, look at this diversity. Look at this diversity, except for in our clothes. Yeah, that's not, I mean, We're absolute little... twins. <laughs> well, you know, I actually was thinking this morning, Yatsa is really the first word that I want to get tattooed, because I've always been waiting for what's the word. Okay, thank you, Steve. <laughs> the gauntlet is thrown down, and this thing is so teeter-tottery. Oh, my gosh. Diversity is all good, but this thing is about to be destroyed. Um, I'm expanding. Expanding. Uh, Aaron and Kate, uh, I, was <laughs> I, I, I don't have enough. Anyway. Aaron and Kate uh, were assessed by our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, a couple months ago, uh, and they were uh, named to be ready to church plant. They were recommended to plant a covenant church. I was with them in that process. I was with them as we said that thing. We said, you are recommended, and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm thrilled to announce that Aaron is going to lead our first Genesis church plant. So let's give it up. Uh, Aaron, uh, eight years ago, you wrote in your journal uh, a description of a community that you longed for, and you shared that with me via email several weeks ago. Uh, can you talk about that? So eight years ago, I was still a high school pastor, but was starting to wrestle. And so I said, uh, I have a sense of weariness, and I'm feeling stuck, not knowing what to do with this wrestling match. My soul's deepest craving is for community that's raw, honest, authentic, life-giving, and life-transforming. Community that doesn't feed each other for breakfast. Community that calls you into a deeper understanding of what you have to learn and what you have to offer. Community that refuses to cross on the other side of the road when a need arises. A community that recognizes the extreme value in encountering one another and the truth of God's presence in that encounter. Uh, so there you were at this other church, uh, and you stayed there for a while longer. Um, so go back about maybe five years ago from there and describe how your process of planting a church began. I think with the way that we live our lives, uh, especially when it comes to social media, we, we share with the world like these glory moments. And so if I'm watching your life from a distance, I see like you got a new job or you had a kid or you went on a really fun vacation that I'm so jealous of. Uh, but I didn't see the in-between. And so I think what we don't see is people stopping things before they start new things. So five years ago, I came to this point in my vocation as a high school pastor and as a new dad where I just I had to get really honest and say, 
this isn't working and this isn't the type of community and the type of dream I have for what it could be. And even though I don't know what it's like and I can't make a, an immediate transition to something better, I have to stop first. And I think that's so courageous, Aaron, um, because I think you're right. So many of us, when we're leaving something, we, number one, we have to convince ourselves that it's evil and bad to give ourselves permission to leave it, which doesn't have to be true. It can just be a graduation. Amen? Um, but then we just rush into the next thing. So you stopped. You continued to be a dad and a husband, and you left something that you loved, which is pastoring, and you got a job for about five years that was provision, right? But it wasn't Yeah, so life. I just hit my five-year anniversary at work the other, like a couple weeks ago right before I got to give my final notice. <laughs> like a but boss. But it, it, it was always in my mind. I knew going into it, it was, it was finance and accounting. That was my background in college, mostly because I was afraid to say yes to ministry in college. Um, there's more stories with that that we can't get into. But um, So five years, I knew it was always going to be temporary. But five years, it's like, okay, five years in the wilderness. Not 40, but still five is a long time. It is a really long time. I want to say amen to that. So at uh, some point in that, in that five years, you and your family decided to start coming to Genesis. Um, and I remember, I remember that because I remember conversations, and I remember there was kind of a slow, it was a slow yes um, and when you got here, when you said yes, you sensed a pretty unique invitation from God. What was that invitation, and why was it important? Uh, I had this overwhelming sense that when we started coming to Genesis, that the invitation was just wait. It, it was essentially don't ask for anything. Don't ask to do communion. Don't ask to sometimes give a message the message that I received, pretty clear to me anyway, was just wait. Which Aaron, as you know, because you've heard him preach, uh, he is so, he's so gifted. There's so many gifts inside this man. And so this, this invitation <laughs> from God to wait sounds really mean <laughs> at first. Because remember, here, here's how it works. When, you're, when you have sort of pastor gifts and you find a community that you love, your first instinct is just to be like, me, pick me, I'm in, I want to do that. And so you had to just, you had to sort of silence all that and, and, and talk about maybe what grew in you, what expanded in you as you um, said yes to the waiting. Uh, it wasn't easy saying yes to the waiting, but what grew in me was it gave an opportunity for other people to call out things and God knew that I would need that because if I would have just said here I am pick me I could do that um, I think I would have always doubted in my own spirit and my own heart if this was for me or not so to have other people call things out then when you sit down and think about can I really do this maybe I'm not the crazy one uh, maybe maybe this is what I'm supposed to do um, so it took away for me some of that self-doubt because I allowed other. I, I was still long enough to allow others to speak it out and call it out of me. And I remember when um, 
so our pastoral advisory team, two men, two women that sit with the pastors, and we try to discern the future together, and we try to plan. As we were talking about this many, many months ago, and the fact that Aaron was feeling called, and we were feeling called toward Aaron, and Aaron was feeling called toward us in terms of planting a church, the overwhelming response was, oh, yeah, our community is going to love that because it's Aaron. Like, they know Aaron. They love Aaron. And there's going to be just this yes. And... Um, because I think you did the hard work of waiting, the hard work of spending time in the, in the wilderness. And the wilderness is really romantic when you're on the other side of it. <laughs> like you can write about it, you can preach about it with all kinds of eloquence, but when you're in the wilderness, um, like when Jesus was in the wilderness, there's scary animals that want to devour him and it's really scary. So we talk about hunger and thirst, we don't talk as much about what's frightening about the wilderness. It's terrifying to be in the wilderness because part of what I know must have been going through your mind, Aaron, is am I ever going to get back into this thing that I love? And I might not. Because when you left, you left the treadmill, you know? So um, I think for me, uh, the, the fear in stopping what I was doing before, before going to the wilderness was I had a pretty clear hope and dream and vision of what we could be as like the church, but I didn't see that playing out where I was. So the, the really difficult thing is to not force that to happen where you are and just kind of let it go a little bit and then hope for, like for me to look back, and I looked back at this when we were doing the covenant assessment a couple months ago, for me to look back eight years and see what I was longing for and not have necessarily this specific language, but that someone else like Steve and Mary would come along and essentially create language around those longings as a place where I could fit in and belong and become. Um, that's, that's pretty incredible to me. Thank you. Um, how and when did you know that it was time for you to yatsa, to go out, to exit, to be brought forth? Uh, well, there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of moments and conversations. Um, I think, you know, I remember when we sat by Wiper Lake over some Starbucks, and that's where you made the initial, like, hey, I have this thought. And I think selfishly, I, I buried that so far within me because I was afraid that it would never happen, that it was kind of a, su a surprise, but also a, a relief that someone maybe saw that, that someone saw me. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily an aha moment. It was just kind of this slow build. And I think it came to a point where, if you're familiar with Enneagram stuff, I'm, I'm a type one. So I can, I can see how things should be, but I, I'm also limited because sometimes I don't take steps until things are perfect. And so I think the slow build of all these conversations and experience, I came to the hard realization or maybe the aha moment was I'm more afraid to not pursue this now than I am of it not being perfect. I love that. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about the Enneagram. I'm a, I'm a three, and the way threes and ones are different is threes can do things. Ones can do things well. <laughs> That's the difference. So... <laughs> That's how it was described to me once. I'm like, it makes me feel really good about myself. But, um, 
So uh, as our pastoral advisory team, the leaders and the pastors have tried to figure out, like, how do we want to plant churches? Um, you know, there are certain churches that do campuses with uh, video, you know, sermons, and we don't have screens, so pretty soon, or video cameras, so we said, well, we're not going to do that. Um, but then it's like, well, you know, where and then and how, and, um, you know, we're called Genesis, so the, the big joke for about a year is, like, we've, we've, we've called this church plant Exodus, right? <laughs> so that's been sort of the running joke uh, as we've talked to Aaron and talked to others. But um, as we've heard Aaron's heart, what, that, that he just said, this thing of, like, the Genesis vision of joining God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere and the values of ordinariness and simplicity and conversation and rhythms and attentiveness, delight, uh, those are so deep in Aaron and they're so deep in us that we began to dream about, like, what if we actually, if this first church plant was its own church entirely with its own pastor, independent church, independent pastor, their own board, but what if it was another Genesis church that carried that same seeds of life within it, the same vision, the same values, its own, you know, uniqueness, Part of the deal is Aaron is so much more artistic than I am. And so, like, Genesis Aaron or whatever <laughs> is just going to be, like, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to name it for sure. It's going to look cooler, maybe match sets. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, um, so, as a leadership team, we've thought about what would it look like to actually plant a network of churches that had these things in common, that they were connected with one another, meaning they were small enough to where people could know each other, where the dream never was to get so big that it would become a consumer reality, and that they would be rooted, rooted in a community, honoring the community's needs, working with the community in which it was nested so that that church would be better because it was rooted in it and so that there would be this mutual symbiotic relationship which frankly includes Genesis St. Louis Park, that we're currently not very rooted. So that's one of the things that we're really, really thinking about and looking forward to in terms of location. Number three, liturgical. There's something about following the rhythms of the church calendar and following uh, the Revised Common Lectionary that just is something that we want to spread. And so um, Aaron, to that vision, um, which I just now covered your thing. What? Um, so I can say say whatever you want to say about that now. <laughs> Sorry. The the question or the conversation was well, you don't have to be Genesis, and um, for I'll just describe the experience of sitting by sitting with Steve by the lake, is that whether it was I think it's part self doubt, part like receiving something, is that. I couldn't believe he saw me and kind of chose me. And it, it felt like in, you know, in the Old Testament, like a birthright, a blessing. And for, for me to give that up and be like, oh, I don't want to be Genesis. Not only do I deeply identify with like our mission and our vision and our values, but to go forth from the place that has seen you, I think there's such huge power. And then just really quick, um, a word to you guys with us when we, when you talked about ordinariness. I think as a church, and I hope this is 
encouraging to you. I think as a church, and I'm talking like broad global church, we've done a really poor job of elevating the the pastorate as like the only holy calling in life. Like this is just mine, okay? And thank you for being with me in this. But you also have really holy callings. And some of you are being invited to stop what you're doing because you see a new way forward. And it's not necessarily being a pastor. Maybe it is. But you too can apply this. Like, I need to stop what I'm doing and be courageous enough to maybe enter some wilderness so that I can pursue that. So this isn't just for me, but it's for us. So, Woo! I want to say amen to that. Uh, so, Aaron, where is this church going to be? Well, right now it's a real, real broad region, but we know we'll probably be east of 35W uh, and a little bit north. So not like in the south, but kind of the northeast quadrant of the Twin Cities. Um, my wife and I just purchased a house in Monomedi, and so kind of, <laughs> yeah, we got some east siders. We got to rally the troops, but... Um, so right now, east of 35W, northeast quadrant, um, yeah. Uh, and so here's how it's going to work. This is beautiful. Actually, in our denomination, we have this thing called church planter in residence. And so what's going to happen with Aaron is starting on June 1st all the way through the end of November, six months, he's going to be on staff at Genesis, being a church planter in residence. That's paid for two-thirds by the denomination. Yes, yay, whoop, whoop. And one-third by Genesis. And so um, that has just been seen as a best practice to plant these kinds of churches so that Aaron can spend lots and lots of time here uh, having a full-time job, which is, in in essence, getting ready for the church plant. So it's not like he's, you know, going to be doing youth ministry here at Genesis while he gets ready for No, he's going to be getting ready for his church plant. He'll be preaching about once a month here, which I'm so excited about uh, for you guys to hear his voice. Uh, that often. Uh, He's going to be fundraising, and he's going to be looking for an actual location to meet in, Uh, and he's going to be talking to people about joining him on this. And so what I want to say from the front end is Aaron has, like, he doesn't need my permission, our permission to talk to any of you, but he has it. So he will be talking to any or all of you to go with him uh, and, and plant this church. And so this requires a great deal of trust on all of our part, um, and um, so this will be, I will be thrilled and it will be sad for me. Like, it will be both. <laughs> when some of you say goodbye, I will say, yes, and dang it, <laughs> but yes, but dang it, but I love you, but I love him, but I love you. So we're going to do that together, right? We're just going to do that together, and we can do that together well, because um, uh, we are all in it together, and we'll be back and forth, and like Aaron will be preaching here, I'll be preaching there from time to time, and so it, it really won't, um, it'll, it'll feel together and, and separate at the same time. And some of you will feel compelled to join him, and it'll be a yatza, and it'll be hard, right? Um, but I want to encourage you right now to listen to that voice if it comes, and then yatza, because that is, that is God's mission in the world. So, Aaron, any, any last things you want to say? Uh, I guess just I feel, know that I, feel, I sit here feeling 
privileged um, and I feel seen. And so my hope that whether you stay here or come to Genesis East or whatever is going on in your life, that we would be a people that really starts seeing each other. Amen. Well, we're going to go into 60 seconds of silence like we always do, after which time Aaron will lead us through the prayers of response and then into the Eucharist. So come Holy Spirit, speak to us now.